the Yak Babies. Sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Radishes. Board of Beats, let Radishes ravish you. My name's Aaron, here my personal pals, Nico. Hello. And of course we have Brick. Good morning. Yes, and no one has any thoughts on beets or radishes nope. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> today, our topic today, <laughs> Easter egg number two. Our topic today is a burning one for your personal pal Aaron over here. This has been a, a issue that I've been wrestling with in my professional life for a couple weeks here. And I've wanted to talk about the, the personal pals for a long time too, because it's you know it's relevant to our interests, but suddenly it became you know much more intimately relevant to my life, I guess, which is why I wanted to talk about today. And that topic is AI and writing with AI specifically. I've had a game, I've had a couple games actually with AI, and I suppose, you know, and to some extent, Emi is an AI, right? Kind of a translator machine. It sort of reads it and spits out, you know. But obviously, if you pay attention to the news at all, ChatGPT has sort of been a big topic of conversation in the past several months or so. It kind of started with the... AI art thing, the Dolly that came out, I guess it was last year or in the summer or fall. Yeah. I can't exactly what it started. People were going hog wild making AI art and having fun with that. And the discussion started about, you know, what qualifies as art if it's written by an algorithm and spit out, you know, does it, is that actually creation or not? And then ChatGPT became more mainstream as well. A text producer, essentially a search engine, but also capable of generating text and you know, people started to tool around with it and see what they could do. And it's led to what sounds or seems to be kind of like a moral crisis in some ways, but also a creative crisis around like the idea of authorship, right? You know, if you are using an AI text generator to create some text, then then what are you doing? Like, who are you in in that process? And and what is the machine? And what does it all look like? Brick and I work in education. So I'm curious to hear what he's been hearing or discussing with it. Uh, Certainly in my institution, it's been a huge debate uh or not even a debate just like a sort of crisis people are talking about it and trying to figure out what to do you know teach writing and so having a tool that exists that students can use to generate text that isn't theirs and try and pass it off as their own is a you know concern for sure so i wanted to hear from the personal pals what experiences have you had using chat gpt to generate text if at all and and what do you make of some of the the questions being raised here about authorship and the utility of this device is this something we have to get used to and just learn to accept in our lives is it is the crisis overblown in your mind or is it you know underblown is that a word underblown <laughs> let's hope not uh, your thoughts i haven't used it no but i'm going to for a game that i thought up so it'll be fun i think it's a cool like you know i've, I've seen you know videos of people using it to kind of generate like more sophisticated deep fake videos and things like that which is i think some of it's terrifying and then some of it like i think there's a lot of cool creative potentials there right i think the Mm. the ability to you know it's different but similar to like photoshop or something the the ability for kind of software to open up creative tools for for more people is it's cool Mm. right and that that opens up a lot of possibility for for kind of nicer things in the world yeah i think a lot of the you know, we were joking about AI setting off bombs before the episode. I, I, I think, you know, uh, Siri, like, let's start with Siri. Siri is in no way 
doing any thinking, right? Right. And, and I think a lot of people's what they think they're talking about when they talk about AI and stuff is is not. It's a little more sci-fi than than maybe the reality in front of us now. Yeah. Uh, though this this uh, you know the Dolly and the Chat GBT stuff are are maybe a little closer, right? And I'm sure there's much more sophisticated things that aren't free on the internet, right? Kind of existing. And I think you know we probably starting with art because that's the tools available to us now probably need to think through like how to regulate these things you know uh legally but also you know kind of kind of morally and, and, and ethically you know if if it's a tool you're using to create something that's different than just dumping some text into a thing and then you know being a copyright troll or whatever which it seems like they're right. trying to get ahead of a little bit but the wording in that copyright stuff is is, is pretty vague so far so yeah. You know, and then there's the whole student thing, which is a whole nother dilemma. And if we, you know, if you teach a kid to use a calculator, they can become much better at math, but they still need to know how to use the calculator. Right. If we get to a point where the calculator does all the stuff, you're, you're no longer teaching that skill, right? And so right. I don't think there's any, I think it's probably a fool's errand to try and prevent kids from accessing these sort of, of tools for their work, right? And it's much more kind of re-looking at education in a way to build those tools that are available and going to be available into the instruction there, right? Like, you know, we don't teach cursive anymore because everyone types. Right. And, and so kind of, kind of similarly, should we be moving, you know, writing instruction from, from, you know, a little less to the actual composition to more thinking about organization and thinking about uh, the, like structure, right? Because just because the thing, like, you know, the things they put out are pretty formulaic and they'll get more sophisticated as it goes, I'm sure. But if you, I mean, you, you grade papers all the time, right? And so most of them, even before this stuff, all read kind of the same, right? Because most kids, you know, the average five paragraph essay or, or term paper, if you're in a thing, uh, follow a pretty predictable pattern, right? And it's only a handful of students in a given class that really kind of show something special with with regards to their ability to analyze a little differently or or word things in a way that that is you know more sophisticated or more more complex right mm -hmm. most students don't you know and that's that's always the way it's been and so and now if there's tools that shortcut that thing what are we doing to make sure you know how are we targeting that area of artistry or expertise right now that we've added more tools to the tool set yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think you're right. I mean, you're definitely right that the the chat GPT what it produces in terms of, you know, writing is yeah, very cuz it's a predictive model, right? So it produces like the like the most average like straight in the middle version of the text that you're trying to ask it to create. If you ask it to write a quick article on some topic that produces a what feels like example that would come out of a very bad textbook right and yeah, yeah like, it could write an seo blog yeah yeah basically it's that it's that extent and so so i discovered recently a couple of my students had written their assignments with chat gpt and the giveaway was the blandness in some ways because uh, you're right to an extent brick i think students you know there are some who produce texts that sort of are you know exceptional and most are sort of like you know doing sort of things that are pretty standard but i do think that one of the things that makes students write student writing interesting is good or bad. They have like fingerprints, right? You can sort of, as you read more right. and more, even the texts that are flawed significantly still feel like they belong to those students when they've written them. And then when you, that's what makes plagiarism 
easier to detect as a teacher because you all of a sudden see this like strange shift in the tone. You're like, this is the wrong fingerprint. This is definitely not the student's voice mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So when I found one of these papers that I became suspicious of, it was the, the tone seemed strange. The structure was like, oh, this is a pretty boring, even-handed, pro-con debate paper. This just feels like it came out of a machine. And so I ran it through the you know, detector and came up like 98% AI generated. Huh. And also, so there's some giveaways like in conclusion as a signal phrase. And in conclusion is a pretty dead giveaway too because it tells you, you, you t- I tell students directly, don't say in conclusion. And then you're like, well, I told you not to. Why would you do that kind of boring conclusion? That, the, ga- the game we played that's up on up on the Patreon a few weeks ago, that was the giveaway, right? Yeah. They all led with the same. Yeah, repetition. In such and such by by who and who. Yeah. 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 The, you know, pet phrases pop up here and there. So I think you're right. There is a, a, it's a moral question too. But even outside of the classroom, like, uh, so I was reading an article about this this morning in prep for a conversation, and there's like something like 200 books on the Kindle store now that are identified as written entirely with AI, right? And that's a selling point for these books. Like, this is written by AI. And, you know, one guy who was doing it was interviewed and he was saying, you can pump these out, you know, 300 a year if you wanted to, because it's not, it doesn't take that much time if you get the prompts down and the text just produces it. And it got me thinking like, who, 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 who reads that? Who wants to read the book written by the AI? Right. So I don't know, would it, would it like, you know, Nico, if you went to pick up a new sci-fi novel or audiobook and it was like, oh, written by a machine, would you be like, that's cool? Or would you be bummed out? Or, or would it be just indifferent? Would it be the same as if it was written by a human to you. I don't think I would want to read a book by an AI, but like, so I, I saw something on Instagram the other day that was like the intro to the office, if it was cyberpunk, like created by an AI. And it was just mm-hmm. like these drawings of all the characters of the office in a cyberpunk style. And like that kind of thing right. I think is, is a clever use of that kind of, cause that's like, it's like almost a throwaway joke. It's like, you know, it's something that you might tweet, but it doesn't even have enough, like, you know, what if the office was cyberpunk? It's like, n- n- maybe you draw one guy yourself, you know, and then it looks terrible. Right. But if you do it through an AI, then, because really the the part of that that is interesting is the idea. And then to see the execution kind of instantaneously rather than having to spend, you know, hundreds of hours on this, on executing this idea that, that, uh, I think that kind of thing is is useful. I don't think writing is is really. I don't think the AIs are good enough yet. Maybe someday they will be, but mm. I think there's just too much, too many layers to, especially creative writing, that need to happen. That you have to, and you have to be balancing so much character and so much kind of, you know, what you're revealing and 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 then also tone and entertainment and you know novelty and all this kind of stuff that has to be. That has to be layered into the same, right? The same kind of few sentences, or whatever. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think AI would be good for that. But like shorter kind of joke texts, or and really, what this also reminds me of is is the debate that's been happening for like at least a century about you know what is art and hmm. when people like you know Andy Warhol and more recently like Ai Weiwei was really kind of notorious for not making his own art he would just he just had a factory in china that had a bunch of artists and they would he would kind of direct them and then they would do the actual creation of it so that 
I think that's true. That's true of master artists for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, like directly an apprenticeship in like the yeah, you know, Renaissance, right? Like Michelangelo didn't paint the whole Sistine Chapel by himself. He had like right. fifty people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that kind of thing to me is just an extension of that. It's like when when you have somebody who the execution is less kind of important, I guess, in the idea, I think that AI can can help and can can kind of take take a bunch of that those, you know, just grinding hours of of painting and it, you know, it is going to take the shine off, you know, it's no longer going to be handcrafted, but it'll also be cheaper, presumably. Mm, Yeah. So there's, you know, there's that kind of trade off. I think for me, it's it's just transparency. It's like if you if you tell me something is AI created, then I'm fine with it. Like, I don't think that that's a moral mm. problem. I think the moral problem is when they people are going to use it to for deception, like some like, you know, making deep fake videos, making books in the style of right. somebody, you know, claiming that somebody else did X. And it really it's just chat. Yeah. How many how many lost works are going right. to show up? Right. Well, that raises a question too. like what. So let's say this scenario, because, Nico, you, you know, you write yourself and you work in sort of like detective or you know fic- genre fiction kind of stuff right <laughs> let's say you work on a detective story or mystery story and you're trying to solve or trying to figure out a plot beat right, right. you know how does the character find this clue or whatever and you're thinking through it and can't come to the answer and let's say you ask like the ai like hey this is the plot what's what are some possible solutions for how the detective might stumble upon you know the radish or whatever Right, and then it spits out three <laughs> options, and you choose the one that you like the best, and go from there. So let's say it helps you out of this this writer's block yeah. you're in, this hole you're in. Yeah. So then, do you disclose that as an author? Right. Does it feel bad to use it? Uh, these are all just like hypothetical questions. Right. That's kind of what I'm curious about. Is not so much the. I mean, I'm curious about both, but there's one. It's one thing to reproduce an, or to produce an entire text, right? And another thing to sort of use the generator to help you do things that you aren't doing yourself. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's analogous. Like if a friend helped you, right. you wouldn't necessarily say like this part of the story was written with the help of my friend. Yeah. But it just feels weirder to have it be a, the robot, but maybe not. Yeah. That is a gray area. God damn it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Now you're tempted. You're so, just like, yeah. the gears are turning in your yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I think it comes if it's a tool that's used, if, you know, if it's just used for mass production, then that's something else. Right. But, you know, so like, let's say I spend 20 hours making a really nice birdhouse from scratch and I, I designed it. I did all that stuff. I made that birdhouse. If I go and buy a birdhouse kit and I assemble it and do all that stuff, did I make that birdhouse? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's an interesting metaphor. I mean, it's you know, or let's say I, you know, and is and if I make that birdhouse kit, but then I spend another ten hours modifying it and adding details and uh, you know doing carving the side of it or, or doing things to make it distinct from just the the kind of stock kind of vanilla kit that I that I had originally made. Right. Is that more my birdhouse? Yes. Well, yeah. I think there's there's like a part of it is the way you choose to describe the thing, right? The kind of the words you choose. So, I built this birdhouse, or built and designed this birdhouse, is different from I built this birdhouse that I bought from a kid right. 
versus I modify the kit birdhouse that I bought or whatever. So there's different like sort of like descriptors there that can sort of change that. But but at, but at what point does anyone care? Well, yeah, I mean, unless I'm unless I'm, unless I'm entering it into yeah. birdhouse of the or you're year selling it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I guess like there. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of craft fairs where people are selling kits that they painted. Oh yeah, definitely. Like on a, like a personal level, I guess if I was like, wow, a bricks and master birdhouse crafter. And then I went to the store and saw your birdhouse and be like, oh, that fuck is a liar. Uh, yeah. It would just feel weird, I guess. But I guess it yeah. wouldn't matter necessarily. Yeah. If if the birdhouse was the same, I mean, I can tell you, I spent a few years building furniture and I still buy IKEA furniture and put it together. And I can tell the difference. <laughs> I can tell the difference between sure, them. Right. And even if you take yeah, an IKEA totally. table and you like change it a little bit, you can still you can still tell that it's Ikea and it's like, that's fine. Like that has its role, but you know, if you're going to buy an Ikea table for a hundred bucks and then turn around and sell for 800, yeah, that that's basically just fraud. But like people can do fraud in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And fraud's sure. Yeah, obviously not new. Like yeah. it's the, one of the things that's been coming to this conversation too, is that, you know, plagiarism, cheating, taking credit for their work is not unique to AI. I've right. seen it, you know, countless times in different scenarios so it's not like it's a a new problem yeah it just feels like a a different angle to to go back to what you were saying Aaron, about Mm -hmm. like having a an ai kind of give you a list of options for for like a plot beat or something that is that's a tough question because like i i i feel like the a really good writer is not not limited to kind of one idea or one one tiny you know detail or or even a big detail i think it's it's like the layering of that kind of stuff and the how they play off of each other and how you develop them right but like having an ai generate a list of possible like next scenes is uh prickles my conscience a little bit like i i don't know how to i don't know how to deal with that yeah i mean it's it's that calculator uh, analogy but kind of it, it sort of it's I think that's a good analogy, but it kind of reveals the limitations of it too. Where a calculator, yeah, tells you that you know five times five is twenty five, whatever. If you didn't know that, but it's that thing is true no matter what, right? I guess I don't. I'm not like a theoretical mathematician, but like I, I guess right. in a basic sense, like those things are always true. But plot is not true. Right. It's just up to creativity. There's no math behind it necessarily. I mean, obviously there's like plot diagrams, but like right. it's whatever you think should happen. So it just seems like it's not quite the same as you need to show your work to prove that you can do the mathematics. But also I, I see to some extent the utility of asking something that can give you, you know, answers quickly. Yeah. Like you'd ask a friend, right? Yeah. That list of ideas to, to build off. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes me but it makes me feel weird. Like I don't want I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. So yeah, so when I discovered this this stuff in my class, it really bummed me out. Uh, I had a, a a really like surprisingly emotional reaction to it. I've had students plagiarize before, and I always am annoyed by it, but never felt like betrayed. Yeah. But for some reason, this one felt like betrayal. I felt like I had been my students had like betrayed my trust in some way, and I was like, how dare you! do this in this class and there's it's you know there's complicated layers to you know how the class is organized and whether you know the assignments necessitate necessitate using ChatGPT in the first place whatever there's like it's you know lots of things to unpack there well there's also like you are explicitly teaching a class on writing yeah 
Right, which is which is maybe different than kids that don't want to be in eleventh grade physics dumping it in to, to crank out a term paper, right? Not that yeah. one's necessarily more or less morally okay than the other, but like the point of being in a collegiate writing class is to learn how to write and uh, why? What do you? What do you? Why are you yeah, in that and class? Lo- right, and, and yeah. so and I mean, you know, the answer is a lot of kids just, you know, they're, they're in college to get the degree because they were told to, right, or or they don't know that there's a difference. Right. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, I think as a society, we're pretty uh, hung up on content and consumption, mm. you know, and so if the kids think their job is to complete things like, I, you know, my the kids in my school are not sophisticated enough to do this kind of thing. They're, they're too far behind. I have a school for kids that aren't good at anything. But for, for I mean, that's just what it is. But for a lot of them, you know, the idea of finishing a worksheet, right, or finishing a thing means I did it. Right. Yeah, right? Sure. And try, sure. trying to get through their head, like getting to the end is not the point of this, right? right. Whether they're all right or all wrong, you know, the, the point is to engage in it. And so it, you have to, I think there's kids that need that as a bridge to get to the next thing. And then mm-hmm. the instruction needs to be created in such a way that it then transition them to more uh, complex analytical tasks. Right. Or, or, or whatever else. Yeah. And the whole reason to have them, you know, write a paper about whatever bullshit that's like never going to go anywhere is to have them learn to think. And then you as the teacher can can kind of see what where they're getting stuck or what what kind of, you know, habits they're falling into or whatever the fuck is going on with their thought process. But it's more of the thought process than the actual creation of yep. this, this paper. Yeah, I was talking. Exactly. I was talking about that with uh, our listener friend, Sebastian, who teaches with me. And we were talking and he was saying the same thing that, you know, in the classroom, the purpose is not the product. It's the process. You're trying to get them to think through it and do the work. It doesn't really matter. I mean, the quality matters to some extent, obviously, but like that's not the most important part. It's it's how you got from A to Z and why. And so that's, yeah, the the kind of betrayal sort of is tied to that. The betrayal. But but yeah, I mean, you're laughing yeah. and you're probably so yeah. because it like it felt like outsized emotions yeah. to what the actual experience do, was. Do, yeah. Does your school yet have like a policy or a response? My guess is this is going to get for for academic purposes. This is all going to be folded under plagiarism yeah. policies and and, and student um, you know integrity policies. Yeah, I mean, the academic integrity policy states currently that you can't pass off someone else's work as your own and that it doesn't say i mean it says work that's not that doesn't doesn't generate from you or something the wording is like vague enough where it's like it does qualify you know taking your ai it's not a person but it's a it's text that was not generated by you but the you know we're working on a specific you know statement to put in the syllabus about chat gpt for the writing program and i'm sure the other departments are as well you know there's like committees across campus are being formed ad hoc to try and like solve this quickly because it's already grown out of control yeah or or, or is quickly getting more and more out of control like i when we first started this just this semester in january the first meeting it was like yeah we need to like get on this it's gonna be pretty you know important to to have something to say soon and i was like yeah yeah for sure but not thinking there would be multiple immediately relevant and then three months later i was dealing with it right so there are multiple papers yeah the best part is so one of the students who wrote their paper with the 
text generator was peer reviewed by a student who wrote their peer review for that paper with text generator. So the robot wrote a paper that was peer reviewed by the robot. And I was like, I quit. This is the end of teaching. Like what's yeah. the, if they're just, you should grade them with one. I did. So I, I showed them in class. I like, wrote an email <laughs> with the AI. I was like, this is what the eval would look like if I did a text generator. Like, what do you think about this? Like, how would you feel as a student getting this back? And they were like, yeah, it sucks. I was like, yeah, it's boring. It's like generic and stupid. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, there's no mind behind it. It's just, it's just repeating things. It doesn't actually notice anything. It just, it just repeats things that it's seen in other evaluations. Yeah, exactly. Right. I read something infuriating in an article about it that was interviewing a teacher and the teacher was like, I used chat GPT to write feedback for my students on their work. And it produced, you know, feedback that was way more thoughtful and engaging and complicated than mine was. So it saved me a lot of time. And I was like, motherfucker, quit teaching. Yeah. Like, that's your, <laughs> that's what your situation that's is. Like, not, fuck yeah. you, you're a bad teacher. That's a, that's a <laughs> devastating indictment of your own work. Like, yeah, a complete yeah. self own. <laughs> like, like there's no need to do that to yourself. This like, robot is so thoughtful. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it isn't. It's, it reminds me of, uh, have you guys seen the show Lucky Hank at all? Have you seen the, it's about Bob Odenkirk is a, uh, is a creative writing teacher. He's like the head of the English department in this shitty college and he doesn't do anything in workshops. He doesn't, people are like, will you just say something about this? Like, do you, did you like it? Did you not? And he finally, he finally says, yeah, it sucked. Here's all the reasons it sucked. You're a miserable writer. You're at a shitty college. You're not going anywhere. And like it goes viral and blah, blah, blah. Then the next episode, they have George Saunders come in, <laughs> played by an oh, actor. Right. Brian Hussey, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he gives like thoughtful feedback. And everybody's like, oh, wow. That was, I feel like I've learned more in the last, in just that one interaction than I did with with Bob Odenkirk the entire time I've been in the English department. So it feels like that. It's like there's they, there are good teachers and bad teachers. And I feel like for bad teachers, maybe they are under the level of a, an AI. Like maybe they are. Right. Maybe ChatGPT would be a, an advancement. Yeah, maybe so. And yeah, like there's this like the moral question is it's not just students right it's for teachers as well yeah. like you have to do your own work too like you have to be engaged in the classroom and, and care about what you're doing yeah. to make it matter the same way the students have to it's funny that when we debate it or talk about it in class because I've, I've you know had a couple discussions around it just because i'm curious to see what students think and how they're processing at the same time as we are and they'll say things like i feel like teachers would really benefit from using it to help write their lesson plans i was like do you like, do you, do you want your teacher to just be, like, farming it out to a robot and then come to class and be like, well, here's the robots that we should do. That seems, like, really shitty. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Just, like, misunderstanding, I think, the the goals of education in the first place, but also, like, right. prioritizing efficiency over meaning, right? Yeah. I'd rather, like, my shitball lesson plan, I cobbled together on a train heading to school at least has my fingerprints on yeah. it as opposed to the sound of the boring efficiency of the robot. Yeah. I mean, I do think there are like, so, so there's, there's an artist I saw on Instagram a little while ago and his process is to like draw a big kind of shape on a canvas. And then he takes l like a tube full of paint and, and put, puts like little dabs of paint. So they're like little mountains along the, the shape. And then like it, it, uh, has you know kind of elevation and stuff and they look like a little tiny mountain range but it takes fucking hours it takes them like 40 hours to do a small canvas and that that seems like a thing it's like 
if you have the drawing and then you get a robot to put the little dabs of paint on that feels like maybe like the robot just does the grunt work but then yeah it does yeah it does lose something but well so lose something yeah so, so here's a question and maybe we could wrap up yeah. soon because we're going along but you know is there as this thing or this technology starts pushing you know basically like industrialization of art the farther down the path than it's already been right and, and mass production of things you know will that maybe in you know naturally push to the top right or to the forefront some more creative things is it gonna is it gonna change the landscape in such a way that artists and writers really you know is it gonna help separate the 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 wheat from the from the chaff right Mm -hmm. is it are you gonna are only you know how many books are gonna get lost Uh, especially genre books or like bland literary fiction books how many books are just gonna get lost in the miasma when there's you know the amount of these books available per year increases by an order of magnitude and so what is it what is it going to take for books to stand out when that becomes the standard right or art or 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 anything else right is it going to force artists who really want to succeed as artists to be more creative and to be more unique right or and you know maybe it comes back to that fingerprint thing right are you able to really not everyone's fingerprints are equal you know uh yeah. when it when it comes to to, to quality right and yeah. is, is there is there an opportunity for this to to kind of push elevate elevate things that are that are worthy of of greater inspection or appreciation i, I doubt it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to be generous Flat, no. i mean there's there's uh, already so many shitty books out there like there's so like there is how many books get published a year? Like half a million, like hundreds of thousands of books yeah, in uh, like a 50. If somebody read 50 books a year, that would be like the top 1% of readers, I feel like. And then so like most of these books never get read at all. So I feel like there's already right. the ocean mm-hmm. of mediocre bullshit sure. that's there. There's more than anybody could ever read. And so like whatever effect it's going to have on, pushing things up i think what we would see it anyway i don't i don't see yeah just more being a driver yeah i feel like maybe even the opposite effect where it ends up coalescing like support around known quantities right because there's so much more chaff that exists at least if you know that you like stephen king and you trust that he produces his own work you're just going to go to the source right and it's going to be harder to emerge as a new voice because there's going to be less trust maybe right. or less of like a willingness to take a dive on something that could just be, you know, more dross made up by the kind of like middle of the road AI thing. Right. I mean, the article I read this morning, you know, the art author was like, you know, you could have like 300 books a year produced by an author. And I was like, for fucking who? Like who wants that? Or- to be honest, Stephen King is the, the model case for that. It's like, because he has so many books, sure. like the thing could learn his writing style and Stephen King's books are already super long, and they're 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 like right. people who like Stephen King just want more Stephen King. So so Andy's like nothing really stands out about them. So I feel like if they made a Stephen King bot that just wrote a Stephen King book every day, 
That could be. That could be like seventy-five, eighty yeah. percent. And then they and then they patent it, and then there is Stephen King yeah. books forever. Right, but that's like part of the thinking that I like that worries me too, or not worries, but just like is weird to me too. Is like I don't mean yeah. that as a good thing. Yeah, like if there were three hundred new Stephen King books next year, like why? For who? Cares? Like why? Why would you want? It, it yeah. makes the idea of reading Stephen King like insurmountable. Yeah. I guess I, I think of it in terms of like you know tied to our can right but you, you know that that goes to you know and maybe this is related to all that like fandom and ever everything else that we've talked about forever uh you know if if it gets to the point of sophisticated like if you're a stephen king fan uh and that's all you want to read you know i'm sure you see value in the ability of a of essentially being able to create your own custom stories. And, 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 you know, I love Stephen King. I would sure love it if there was one about a, a cactus that, <laughs> that raped a moose. Right. And then you put it in there and then you, and then you can, you can read any Stephen King book you can right. imagine. Right. And there's, I can certainly see financial value in that. Right. If nothing else. And Maybe not the cactus moose rape story, but yeah. Niche market. I, I, yeah, I think I, the only moral it. quandary there is labeling it correctly and like this is Stephen King AI versus like real Stephen King. But the Stephen King AI is sure. like you can buy sure. you can get a book for like 99 cents cuz like doesn't take any work. It just Yeah, I mean it becomes like you mentioned before the factory it's the JPAT model, yeah. right? This is, you know, the name is the brand and it's just like it's churning out the text. But it becomes the same thing we say about JPAT. Yeah. Like Oh, I wouldn't want to do it. I just think there are people who would like that. Like, there's people, there's, yep. there's, there's right, a book right. out there that this guy is writing like every day, and every single day he writes like three thousand words and just adds it onto this book. It's called like the Wandering In, I think. And he says in his like in his author's note, he's like, I found out that I am not a great author, but I'm okay, and I can write a lot. So that's my thing. I, I can write a lot of passable words and, and he just shovels them out and people read them. Not a lot, maybe, but I found out I don't have an internal yeah. editor, so I could just produce. Yeah. Text. <laughs> so like that's his thing. And he, he doesn't have a lot of readers, but I mean, maybe 10,000 that, that right. keep up and read 3000 words of this book every day. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess you're right. Like it's, it seems weird to me, but I am also like, I'm not reading with that. Right. That's my goal is not to read 3000 words a day of this like evolving novel that doesn't seem to be going anywhere or just like, it's just like, there's just more. Like when you said, you know, turning out content earlier, Brick, I was like, yeah, exactly. This just feels like that. It's like, we can, we can have a bunch more stuff. How many, we had, we had an episode about this too. Like how many kids care more about, and not even kids, how many readers care more about world building right right yeah. and 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 all those things right and if you have have the ability to make infinite spider-man right there's a lot of people that are happy with infinite spider-man right yeah right even though they will never touch more than than a percentage of it right just the the idea of being able to click the next thing and keep it going right the yeah i mean that yeah the problem is i what i what i would think and i mean i don't know how true this is but i feel like you could have an infinite, like, just adventure of the week Spider-Man, but you couldn't have, like, the the kind of ebbs and flows, the, like, building up to a big thing. Because I don't feel like the 
the AI can do that. It can probably just, you know, regurgitate like, oh, this week's villain is so-and-so and like, that's it. And then Spider-Man beats him and that's it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. Right. But if you put, if you put all the Star Wars, uh, probably hundreds of Star Wars books now, right. If you put all of those into there, can that thing start just creating new, yeah, new things that, that are kind of on brand for that universe? Probably pretty yeah. easily. Right. Yeah. And they don't, the whole thing with the world building is it doesn't need to be right. Like not all star Wars books need to follow the same plot. They just need to have certain, certain pieces right. of continuity. Yeah. Around, I mean, around yeah. Rules. I'd right. be interested to see how creative it can get with that. Cause I feel like it's star Wars books are the same thing. It's like, yeah, it could create, it could, you know, pump out a bunch of shitty novels that, you know, maybe 5,000 people read, but it's not going to, make the next like good star wars movie with actual you know characters that people know and what all the neither rest can, of neither can, neither can anybody else please. so yeah <laughs> right. Who knows? i'm gonna train an ai bot to produce Stuart divick stories that are set in chicago and you'll just never hear from dave and i ever again <laughs> disappear just yeah. read Stuart divick stories and die happily yeah i i think we, we could probably wrap up or go yeah, along, yeah. but maybe we can we can end it on on this truth bomb which is we can probably all agree that where this is really going to go is some really weird porn oh yeah <laughs> i mean yeah certainly there's gotta be that right yeah my favorite yeah. my favorite things are the the ai generated pictures have you guys seen that it's like and somebody will be like these look at first glance they look normal but then you look at the people's teeth and there's like way too many teeth in their mouth or there's they have like 11 yeah. fingers mm. and it's like oh yeah. god <laughs> yeah. there's that picture when trump was indicted there like someone some maga freak Oh, that picture was weird. Yeah, of like Trump marching down like the street in New York with an army of like his supporters behind him, and it was like this is a photograph of Trump taking 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 it back to New York and like showing that he's still the king or whatever. And if you look at it, like it looks like a photograph on the service, but if you zoom in, like the faces in the background, it looks like the thing. It looks like like an amorphous like multi headed yeah, monster. Seems, it's just, really bizarre. Yeah. Well, listeners, tell us your thoughts on this whole. I don't know. Trend or phenomenon, whatever you want to call it. You can talk to us, uh, send us an email at what is it, uh, yakpeakspodcast at gmail.com. I guess is what we used to call I it. I haven't, and if you have sent us an email, I will check it because I yeah. don't think we've checked that thing in a year. So we should do another mailbag soon. Yeah, we'll do a mailbag soon. And we're going to scan these emails. If they're written by AI, we're fucking coming for you. <laughs> so do not let a robot write your email. We're also on Twitter, I think. I mean, we used to be, I think the account disappeared for me on my account. I can't find it anymore. Uh, so it might not be there anymore. Uh, if we are, it's at Yak Babies, and we'll you know we'll find some social media options as well. well after NPR but left, more importantly, yeah, right, yeah, we're making a moral stand. PBS is gone. Things. Yeah, might as well. I, I'm ready to be done with Twitter. It, it, we can just kill it. Yeah, how about it? I'm still hopelessly addicted to it, but yeah, we can we can move on. Well, we're on Patreon. That's the thing. So we're on Patreon.com/slash/YakBabies, where that's where the fun happens. You can get bonus episodes there. There's games. There's Bro to bro conversations. There's whole separate podcast series, including a upcoming one about pickle jokes. It's gonna blow your mind. Lots of good stuff there. It's only a dollar a month, so we can get everything for that dollar. So go there and check it out. You can also communicate with us there. There's a little chat function where you can, you know, assign brag points. Let's say if you want to send some brag points based on the things you hear in the episode, it'd be great. So do that. Patreon.com/slash/shackbabies, and then we have merch. Tinyurl.com/slash/shackbabies. You can buy shirts and posters and mugs with bricks designs in them, all very funny, highlighting your favorite inside jokes from your favorite 
Inside Podcast. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.